Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Hey, you see that you see that red button up there in the left-hand corner? That means we are live. So so keep that in mind. It is Believe in Ravens. We're on StreamYard. We're doing it for real. We got we got the real setup right here. So happy to be with you tonight because, look, okay, I'm Kyrie Thompson. We got Daniel Wilcox. We're always here. We're always doing the thing. But today we have a very, very special guest on with us. Our first special guest in the new Believe in Ravens podcast. We have Adelius Thomas, former Raven, former Patriot, which I'm going to have to ask him about because I'm over here in New England. Pro bowler, you know, like, like this, this, this is, this is so exciting for me, man. Like I grew up like watching you and like listening to you, like, you know, play and stuff like that. How are you doing, man? I can't complain, man. Uh, every, everything's well. Uh, Ben Duber, daddy Uber. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, I, I say we, we all, I literally like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, got up from putting my daughter to bed i was over here just thinking like am i about to be late for this podcast right now and so it's like we're we're all like on that dad time you know right. so so we so we got it we got it we got to get into it okay but first let let's let's talk about you know a, a couple of newsworthy items with with the patriots right now just just to get them out of the way because i mean like it's hard to like go through it without talking about it i mean you know we had we had alex collins uh, former Seahawks Ravens running back pass away in a motorcycle accident. And, you know, he is a guy that, you know, again, like he just, uh, you know, kind of fought tooth and nail to stay in the, in the league, you know, and, yeah. but he was, he was a guy that, you know, in, in the Ravens, everybody seemed to speak really highly of, you know, him as a person. Um, I saw Robert Griffin, the third, you know, uh, you know, message, you know, share a story about him, you know, just being around a man. And it always just gets me, you know, he was about to be 29 years old. Mm. And I know like, you know, for y'all, like y'all, y'all have probably lost teammates or people that you played with people that you knew. And it's just always tough hearing about that from the outside. You know, it's like, what's that like, you know, when you just, you know, hear about something like that, like one of your brothers, you know, one of your, one, one of your, your contemporaries, you know, when they're not here mm. no more. You know, it's, it's always tough. The first thing you think about it, if they have kids or not, their family. Um, and then you reflect a little bit on yourself, at least I do, of, you know, things aren't guaranteed. And uh, it helps you with procrastinating things that you kind of put off. Um, you know, give people their flowers while they're here. You know, I, I try to call guys and just check on them just because you know, like, hey, man, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. Just call to see if you're good, see if I can help you do anything, see if you need anything from me, just to catch up. Because one thing you can't duplicate is a locker room. And to be in a locker room and play this game that you played since you were a kid, you go from, you know, uh, seventh, eighth, ninth, nine years old to junior high to then you turn around and you are in college. And you go from there and then you're in the pros. And so 30 years old, 32 years old, you stop playing and all of that then goes away. Like, what do you do? Oh, what do you, oh, he's retired. Doing yeah. nothing at 32 is overrated. Let me say that again. Doing nothing at 32 is overrated. You've only lived hopefully part of your life, not even half of it. 
And so you hear about someone that as young as, as him, I didn't get a chance to play with him, but the fact that he wore the uniform and he was a, you know, a former teammate, a former colleague, uh, a coworker, whatever you want to see, he was a part of the fraternity, as we say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to know him to understand what he went through and how it is to go through training camp and to try to make it. He wasn't a high draft pick. So it's round draft pick. So understanding what, you know, the grind that he had to go through to earn that respect uh, from his players, coaches uh, across the board. And so all of those things you kind of think about. And so it really uh, put the importance and put things in perspective of some of the things that you may be bickering about, some of the things that you may complain about. I mean, it's a, so unfortunate that it's motorcycle. Uh, you know, I'm a, I love motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid yeah, of because it's, you know, it's just so many weird things that can happen on a motorcycle in a car as well, but you do have some kind of protection around you. So for this instance, you know, it just makes you reflect on, you know, don't put things off, live in the moment. And, uh, you know, and cherish the things, your loved ones and your kids and try to teach them as much as you can, because you never know um, when your day is coming. Well said. Well said. I mean, I, I don't know, Alex, either. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to play with him either. You know, I, I came through the, the, the era with, with Adelius and, you know, Ray and Ed and all those guys. So he was um he actually was gone by the time. I mean, I was actually gone by the time he actually came into Baltimore. I know he finished up his last you know year or so with Flacco. So I know he was in our, you know, kind of still in our vicinity, but we did miss him. We didn't get a chance to actually play with him. I don't think I've ever had a chance to meet him either. You know, but my condolences definitely go out to his family. And you know, he's yeah. he's a raven, he's one of us. He's definitely he's always family. You know, if I bumped into him anywhere, if I, as long as he put on that purple and black, you know, he's my brother. You know, so we you know, we definitely pour our hearts out and our condolences to him and his family. And and I'm I, I mean most of us have kids, most of us have wives and girlfriends and, you know, mothers, fathers, et cetera, brothers, sisters. So, you know, they, they got to be taking it really hard right now, you know, so the Raven family definitely going to pour our hearts out to him and his, and his family. I think that's one thing that as I get to know you, Daniel, and we, and we, we do this show together, it's like the appreciation for the, the family and brotherhood that, that, it, you know, this game really, can create because it's like it's it's really an experience unlike anything that like most of us really have right it's like you know i i go to work and like you talk about like you know working as a team working as a family but you're not like going out there and like grinding you know in the heat until you're completely exhausted you know in training camp like basically it's like the closest thing you could do like being in the foxhole with somebody just like all day every day meeting rooms and then you go out on the field and you know you you, you go pound into people put your bodies on the line all the time you know guys that you know sometimes they're you know right there with you for for years and years Sometimes you play with a dude one year and then he's then he's out the league or he's on another team. It's like it's, it's just this this really incredible, you know, kind of experience that like I feel like getting a taste of that is, is so interesting to me. And I can really feel that, you know, that neither one of you played with him. But like you said, it, it's this idea that he wore, he wore that uniform. You respect this organization 
and just like anybody who who is who's involved with it and, and it's really you know an impressive thing to see and from the, the another thing too another player another former raven that i don't think either one of you guys got to play with with the ravens but is also in the news michael or right mm. so so of, of of the black i saw you sit, sit up in your chair a little bit because i had to share that story with daniel but it seems like you know a little bit about it adelius but you know for those who don't know the story you know michael or um you know it was a first round pick of the baltimore ravens you'll play tackle for for a number of years and you know had had a you know solid nfl career he's probably most well known for being the subject of the the book and the movie the blind side which essentially you know kind of paints him as like this person who um you know had had a hard time coming up you know didn't have a stable environment and then he was taken in by this family that then helped get him into football and uh you know helped get him into college and, and get him into the NFL, you know, kind of by the goodness of their hearts and come to find out that was all trash. It did not happen like that. Not only that, he wasn't even adopted into the family. He's, he's filed a, a, a lawsuit that basically alleging that he, he was not, uh, you know, officially adopted into the family. He was signed a conservatorship that he was kind of tricked into signing. So they profited off his, this is what it alleges. They profited off of him in the movie and the mm-hmm. popularity of it. Right. And and they got all that money as a family. He didn't see any of it. And when yes, yes. That that's that yes, he didn't get any money from the none of it. No, like that's what he's alleging. He didn't have to get his consent or nothing at all to write the movie, to do the movie, to do the book, none of that. No, and they used his his name, his his likeness, everything. His likeness. And you can't say it's not about him. Everybody <laughs> knows clearly about him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, but that's the story. That's the story that will go under the radar. It'll go under the ticker a couple of times. But to me, it is the perception and reality that you deal with in NFL. It's also kind of a putting things under a microscope of how before now, college athletics was. You right. got to remember, college no athletics before the, before the NIL, you had kids that were 17, 18 years old being offered to buy shoes from professional people. That if they took the shoe or the money that they offered them, the kid would lose his scholarship and eligibility and nothing, absolutely nothing happened to the adult. It's insane. And, and I mean, it's, it's literally that, like that is by far the most unfair deal where you it's like, hey, here's a kindergartner. Teacher tells him to go and offer him something that he can't have. and He's never really had. And if he takes it, you're kicked out of school. You can't even participate. And nothing happens to the teacher. The teacher just goes along and teaches everybody else. That is what the NCAA did to all these kids that, you know, from Peter Ward to all those guys that took shoes and did this. What about the people that's offering them the money? Right. Nothing ever happened to them. They just called them boosters. They called them boosters, but at the end of the day, the booster only told when they didn't do, which is bullying, which is a form of quote unquote bullying, which is a form of quote of coercion, like blackmail. All of that is illegal, but nothing ever really happened to them. Only the kid got punished. 
And that is one of the things that I hated that you're going to see and tell me that you got an 18, 19 year old kid that grew up mid-class or below poverty or in poverty or whatever. And you have a professional, an agent, a coach, a recruiter offering them money. Hey, here, here's your $1,300. But yet and still, you've never seen $1,300 before in your life. Exactly. No, that's exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. That's how they get you, man. Because because you over here looking at that and you're like, I never seen that much money in my entire life. Like, oh my yeah. god. And 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 it and it's it's such it's such a scam, right? And you right. know what it made you know what it made me think of too is I remember watching the thirty for thirty on Bo Jackson and mm-hmm. how basically they they hit him with one of those like impermissible benefits thing where he was you know, getting ready to be a two sports star, probably in, in, in the pros coming out of, you know, like coming out of high school, coming out of college and, and, and such. And he got ruled academically in, or, or like, no, not academically. He got ruled ineligible in the senior year uh, at Auburn, like for baseball season, he wasn't allowed to play because somebody offered him something that apparently like he signed like an autograph or something like that. And, he basically ended up thinking, you know what? I bet you it was like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like whichever team it was that was trying to select him first overall in the draft. And he's like, I bet you they purposely sabotaged my college baseball career so that they mm. could take me number one overall. And he said, guess what? If that team drafts me, I'm not playing for y'all. I will go play baseball instead. But the thing is, not everybody gets to have the power of Bo Jackson to be like, well, screw you. I'm going to go play baseball. Right. It's like you train your whole life, you know, it's like for years and years and years. Right. Once you once you decide or once you realize that you are good enough to play professional ball, you put all that work and all that time into it. And then somebody could take it away from you in in, like that. That's crazy. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about the NIL deals? Um, Do you you like the fact that they got the NIL deals? And if you do like them, how do how do you feel like? I I do I do like them and I I like them because of this. Coaches have had the freedom to move about as they please with no mm-hmm. kind of commitment to players. Right. And but it's the same ones out here talking the mess about oh it's all about the <laughs> almighty dollar but you'll leave so, for a few million to go coach someplace else. So for for me the NIL deal is a game changer because it gives a guy a chance to make money where he's in, he's in college. I do think that they should kind of, um, if they could, if they could find a way to capture a percentage of the NIL money and roll it into a um, a fund that mm. sits and collects compound interest for that athlete until his college thing. career is over. Right. So that, you know, and say, maybe, okay, maybe give them a portion of it up front where they, right. they can have a yearly well, he, spending he amount, like a monthly could, amount. He could he could submit to his fund for living expenses, things, and then can't spend more than a certain percentage of it. Right. But when he graduates from school, your NIL will be based upon you graduating from school or getting drafted early. Like if you get drafted early and you don't graduate, like I mean, that's what you graduate for. You graduate to make money. So I'm not right. trying to punish people for that but if you don't get drafted um and you're on scholarship or whatever it is then a way that you can then 
receive that money upon you graduating or upon you um, maybe taking financial courses as far as financial literacy or whatever it is. And so that when you finish school, you go out and now you got a certain amount of money or it gives you to you over a percentage over a certain period of time, some kind of yeah. way that it it kind of stops them from being hunted, number protected from friends that are no good, family mm. that is no good, and family probably comes first over friends. <laughs> oh no! Tell them all. Tell them. Listen, just tell, listen. Nothing worse than family, but family. Right. And so, and then from there, it kind of protects them and it helps them mature as they get, you know, as they get mature and they, they go about their way and mm-hmm. you get 24, 25, 26 years old, your mindset is totally different than it was at 18. Hopefully it is, quote unquote. Right. And so I think that that's one of the things that they could change about it is, okay, then, but, you know, how do you monitor, you know, if you do roll I wish there was a way that they could capture that and take their jersey sales or whatever it is and say, okay, this is put away into a trust or a, a fund until you graduate school or until you complete some kind of uh, financial literacy piece. And then from there, you kind of roll out into your own little world and it gives you a head start. So, cause everybody's not gonna make it to the pros. Right, right. So you can use that money to kind of jumpstart you or you may have the option to say, hey, look, I wanna leave it in there and it grows at, you know, four and a half percent interest or whatever it is. And so it kind of rolls into a deal where it kind of goes. And I think that the college athletes could put that together and really kind of become almost like a union almost. I don't want to say that because I don't want those people coming from me. I mean, you don't want people to be a union. <laughs> I don't want to hear that, you know, right. well, because yeah. coaches protect coaches because coaches contracts are guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so the NIL deal um, is two-sided. Like I said, you know, I wish that piece was there. Another thing is when you get paid like a professional, you get critiqued like a professional. Mm-hmm. So some of these kids want to say, well, I'm just a kid. Well, you can't be just a kid, but you want professional money and then perform like an amateur. Mm-hmm. So when you take that bag, it's some responsibility that comes along with that. Right. You know, it's some accountability that comes along with that. Absolutely. And so, you know, getting the bag is one thing. Earning the bag is one thing. But when you go out there and you mess up and you in, in the limelight, you got to now be able to take that criticism. And people are like, well, no, he's just a kid. Well, you just, He had a two-comma check. Some of these yeah. kids got two-comma checks coming in. And yeah, so I, if you're making that much money, you got kids making more money than coaches. Right, mm. absolutely true. I feel I feel like where they messed up at uh, when they jumped in with the NIL stuff is that they started giving them money fresh out of high school, going to college, right? Just like coming out of college, going to the league, like the freshman rookie will come in and make more than the guy that's been playing five, six, eight years, right? Mm-hmm. And he nothing in the NFL yet. You're doing it based off what he did in college, you know? So they're kind of doing the same thing right now from the high school kids coming to college. I feel like she's, they should at least have to put in work for one year in college to earn it. And then get the NIL deal that second season versus getting well, straight out of high school and then hitting them with a bonus check right off real. Well, I think I think that I, I, I'm for them getting paid coming out of high school because some of these kids need it again. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I agree. Here, I agree. Here's why I say maybe you put a cap on what you can pay a freshman. Right. And what you pay yeah. a freshman is not as much as you can pay a sophomore and then stagger it 
in stages where okay, a freshman, you can get this much, you know, and well, uh, whatever. Well, you, you, you know, they already paying them now. Like even without nil deal, they already get a stipend, like money. Not like not, not like we used to get, like a you know, a couple hundred dollars here to, to buy some. Food. I didn't. I didn't never get money in college. I, that's the point. Well, Everybody told me I got a stipend. I got. I got robbed. Well, well, if you if you ever moved off campus, they they had to okay. give you that, that money that they paid for housing and food. They had to give it to you so you could pay for it, right? Oh, well, they, but they, they somebody owed me some money. Then I'm going back. You I stayed off campus the last two years. Hey, I'm going hey, back. Hey, How look, you pay look, for your apartment? look, real real quick. I'm just I'm just asking a question. <laughs> oh no, you're about to get this man in trouble. I thought we were. I thought we already ironed this out before the show. Okay, when that yeah, when that okay. record button gets on, we're not trying to get nobody in trouble. But no, hey, yeah, I was my, gonna say, my eligibility, man, is, my eligibility is up. So I'm, yeah, I'm no, you're no, you're good, done, you're good. I'm they done. can't they can't they can't take nothing from you at this point. But I was gonna say, we're a little off topic. Obviously, I did not play like D one sports and, and and all that. But randomly today, we just found out that my college alma mater, the University of Chicago is going to be one of potentially a bunch of schools that had some like weird they they made like a pact with other universities like MIT and Brown or whatever to like freeze financial aid on people so they got to pay out like 13.5 million dollars to like people who went to school like there during a certain amount of time cuz they like intentionally were like yo we're not giving people as much financial aid as we ought to like we're gonna like put a like a price freeze on that so hey your boy might be getting some 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 money i might i might be getting enough <laughs> to like you know money back man i'm i was gonna say i might i might get enough to like go to mcdonald's you know you know you get that card they get uh, the some money don't don't go to uh, mcdonald's though yeah, no, yeah, of course that. not. No, 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 no. But I'm, I'm just saying that might be all I can um, afford. Um, I, tell I, might, your, I might tell only be able to your, afford dollars. Shout out to um, which one of your restaurants in Baltimore you should go to? Oh, uh, you should go to Grill Six Twenty. Grill Six Twenty in Baltimore, Kirk. Steak and You ain't even got, brother. You ain't even got to tell me that already. <laughs> like, no, it's a, it's got, it's got grill in the name. I'm in. Okay, Kyrie, it's You're... phenomenal. When I say phenomenal, phenomenal, first class, oh everything. My God. First okay. class, and and, the, and the other. Oh man, okay, stop, stop messing with me right now. Okay, I want, I want this, I want this damn grill now. Oh God, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like ten, it's like ten thirty. I should not be thinking about food like that. But hey, I want to get into some football talk right now. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. so I've already talked to Danny about this, Adelius, but I, but look. Two of the greatest defensive players of all time, like mm -hmm. you played alongside of them, you know, Ray Lewis and my literal personal favorite football player ever, Ed Reed. Like you're on that side of the ball, like, like you know, Daniel's going against them, right? You know, because he's a tight end, he's on the other side of the ball. You are on the same side of the ball as these guys. When you're watching them just do stuff and practice in games, and you're you're uh, you you were a rookie when when the, you won the Super Bowl. Right? right and Ray's just over and that defense i i refer to some of these defenses and the ravens are one of them that gave me this idea a once in a 15 years defense because i think about like the 85 bears the mm -hmm. or the 2000 ravens and the 2015 broncos where i could play quarterback and y'all would win a Super Bowl because the defense is just too crazy like what yeah. is that like being a part of something like that you know, um, when I first came in my rookie year, it was it was kind of bananas um, because I didn't know what to expect. Like you're a rookie, you've never been around anyone. 
Ed wasn't there yet, uh, but you did. Right, he was like Ron, two years out. Yeah, or but you had like Ron Wilson. Right, right. <laughs> like, let's not, not even, get it twisted. That's, that's not, not even that's fair. Not, dude. You can't that's skip over Rod Wilson. No, that's not like, even fair. Oh my the, god! The ultimate pro. You know, you had Rod Wilson. I had Tony Saragusa. God rest his soul. Yeah. You had Michael McCrary, Rob Burnett, Sam Adams, Jamie Sharper. You had Ray, of course. Uh, you had myself, Dwayne Peter Bowyer, Dwayne Starks, Chris McAllister, Kim Harrington. And Corey Harris, and so you had all those guys on, and you had Keith Washington. Out. And so when I came in, I was the young pup. All the other guys that been in the league, except for like Dwayne Starks and C Mac, I think all the other guys that been in the league, and besides Ray, all the D line, seven eight years. So when I come in, you have Ray, who's the leader of the defense. He was like a coach on the field. He studied film. He understood everything that was going on. And so he was like a coach on the field. And so you could see how, you know, his intensity, he played with passion. He brought the passion. He brought the energy. He, he was like that, that early on. Listen, he was like that early, man. Early? You got to remember. Here, oh, I, seen, I seen. I was going to say, I, no. I've, seen, I've seen the highlights of, of, of he, young here, Ray. Here, here's oh what you got God. to remember. You got to remember my rookie year. Yeah, was the year after he went through all the stuff in Atlanta. Right, right, absolutely. So he had he a refound purpose of. He was locked in. I was locked. He was locked oh in. He's like it was him against the world, you know, because we was going <laughs> to games and people had prison suits on. They was calling him all kind of names. Like Murderer the stuff that he had to go through was very unfortunate. It was very unfortunate because you know. You tell kids not to do this, that. I mean, you got people out there just saying all kind of crazy stuff. And, you know, ignore the noise. That's exactly, you know, he ignored it, blocked it out, and all he did was go out there and win a Super Bowl. And, you know, for that, you can't you can't never take that away from him. And right. so that, his passion and locked in on that, it made the team tighter because everybody on the outside never gave us a shot, you know, everything else. But I came in as a young pup as just like, okay, then I'm, I was a sponge. You know, I'm like, okay, then cool. I'm going to learn that. I'm going to learn that. Because every day somebody took practice off on the D-line. <laughs> None of those guys <laughs> practiced any day. You know, uh, so I had to take all the reps. I took all the reps. So right. I took all the reps for the ones most of the time. I was, was going to say, that must be two. nice, though, as a, as, a, as a young kid. You just get to play all the time. Yeah, you will. It's, I didn't get to play. I got the well, practice. I mean, in practice. Yeah, <laughs> well, but what, I mean, in practice. Well, I think here's the, is you get to learn. Right. You're 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 being evaluated every practice film. And so you get a chance to learn how to play this position. You get a chance to learn how to play this. They get a chance to see, oh, he can run. Oh, he can do this. Oh, he can so you you get your opportunity. My opportunity is there. Mm -hmm. And so I get a chance to get in there and I don't complain. Like I'm in shape. I'm running. I'm doing this. I'm playing and I'm doing scout team. So oh. I'm doing this. I'm doing scout team. Like oh, yeah. I'm doing all special teams. And I don't think nobody notices it, but the players notice it. Like the other veteran players notice that. Okay, cool. So when it was time for the rituals, quote unquote, of dealing, doing stuff to the rookies, I was excluded. 
nobody, they never, the D-line never let anyone ever touch me. They couldn't tie me up, put me into the goalpost because everything they asked me to do, I did. I did. Yeah. Anytime a veteran, like if Ray, Ray would say, hey man, hey, we'll get my pad. Okay. It was no, it's the right of hunting. Like it's, 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 it's part of the fraternity. It was nothing never disrespectful. Right. So if Ray asked me to tow these pads, I would tow these pads. He wouldn't say, tow my, take my pads and call me a derogatory term or anything. Hey, right, it was never disrespectful. Yeah, but I mean, he, like, he hey, never- Get my pads today. Yeah. You know, hey, Rook, get these, get this. Hey, Rook, give me a water. Hey, Rook, hey, grab me a Gatorade. Oh, okay, then, cool. Like, we going on a trip. Hey, Rook, I want this for the, for for my dinner or give me extra chicken to me. Okay. Like, I never gave any pushback. It was just like, okay, okay. And after, like, week four or five, after I made the team, they was like, okay, then. They started to give me money to buy their stuff. Because they was like, hey, look, he's a six-round draft pick. We can't be asking him to do this, that, and the third. So he don't he don't rock the boat. He ain't going against no grain. He whatever we ask him to do, he does. So here you go. They would give me 200 bucks to go buy a $60 meal or whatever it is. And so I understood then that the sooner you accept your role, um, the better the team would be, the better you would be. Versus right. saying, hey man, they always doing this. It didn't bother me at all. And so it allowed me to kind of be accepted. And so I I rode bus three. I rode bus three early on and bus three was always reserved for all the veterans and the older guys, but mm-hmm. I was allowed to get on bus three because I either had to bring something to the veterans or do something for them that anybody else didn't have anything. Jamal Lewis and Travis Taylor were the you know, top picks. Neither yeah. one of them, they didn't bring donuts and they didn't buy chicken that much. I bought chicken for the whole team. And so my guys, they when it was time for it, they was like, look, my, our work is off, off limits. Anything I will do, I will do stuff for us. He ain't got nothing to do with you guys. And so gotcha. from there, I just kind of, you know what I'm saying? That's how I came in and I learned from Ray on how he studied film and tendencies and all these different things. And once I learned the defense, I it was one of those things, iron sharpened iron. Because if Ray mm-hmm. messed up, I wouldn't let him off the hook. I, hey, Ray, you missed that. You owe me one. And we just move on about it. If Ray didn't know the play or something like that, or if somebody else didn't know, I knew the defense well enough that I could tell each person what they should be doing mm-hmm. by the time they came out the huddle. And so that was an asset that I became from practicing all those different positions and playing all the different positions when people were hurt. It was just repetition over and over and over again. And so that then allowed me to learn it, uh, practice it, and get in shape, football shape, because Wilcox can tell you there's nothing worse than preseason game three or four, and you got to play the whole game, and you don't have no subs. Because the people that's made the team, they in the cold tub eating sunflower seeds and hot dogs out of the stands. Okay. <laughs> that's just the God on the truth. They got a towel over their mouth like this, and they eating a the hot dog. Absolutely. Y'all think they talking, they chewing. <laughs> it's, it's, so you're telling the truth. We absolutely telling the I, truth. Be I'm, on the sideline. Serious. You, you be passing pass the money to the firemen. They go get it. They go get it from the concession stand and they bring it go, back to you. They, they bring you stuff back to the thing. And here you are running down on kickoff. You done played the whole entire first half. And don't let it be a long drive. And then you got to get out there on kickoff return and do punt. And you are just dog tired. And so 
that's what I learned. I learned a lot from Ray. And then when Ed came in, Ray and Ed got close. And then because they, you know, they Miami boy guys. Mm-hmm. And so then from there, they studied film. And then it became a thing where Ed controlled the secondary. Ray ran the front. And so now you have a communication piece where you now know you're on the same page. And when you're on the same page as a defense, it doesn't matter if you're on the wrong page. If you're on the same page together, the page won't be wrong. And defense is about communication. And if you're in the right thing, you got a safety like Ed that learned how to communicate. He knew the defense and was loud. He talked. If you see any good defense, you look at the way that they communicate to each other. You look at the way they give alerts to each other. You look at how they call out plays beforehand. Magic. And man, it makes, it's like, it's like music and you watch them move, somebody go in motion. Hey, he's going in motion. He's going in motion. When he go in motion, we're going to do this. So when you call it out beforehand, that person over there that didn't know what to do, he knows what to do now. He knows what they're going to. Right. He knows what he has to do now because you've already, as a as a captain or as a communicator, you've taken that doubt out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And so when you take that doubt out, you can now play, and you can play at a fast pace. A defense that thinks loses. When the ball snaps, you become the offense. I dictate what you do, how you do it, and where you do it. That is the definition of a great defense. Carrie, Carrie, what I what I love most about AD is is like. I was always kind of called like a utility guy, like on offense mm-hmm. and special teams. I played a thousand positions. When I, AD was like the defensive version of myself, like I would watch him on the other side of the ball. He would line up in front of me at, at outside backer, and then he would he would be able to put his hand in the dirt and rush off the end like a four three D end. Oh, and then he would be able to bounce back linebacker. But not only did he bounce back on the inside and play linebacker, but he would go out and play corner. He would literally snap the ball. He'll be at the line of scrimmage and run back and play safety sometimes. And then we get on punt, and then he'll play all the positions on the punt team, everything except the punter. And then he'll even get out wide and play gunner on the punt team, like where the little <laughs> small DBs and receivers are. He would get out wide and play gunner and run down to cover the punt from outside as well as inside. And then we got on punt return. He would get outside and cover the gunners on the outside. Like, I mean, it, the guy was such a versatile guy. To me, AD was like 6'9" like 280 <laughs> pounds and ran like a 4-2-4-3-40. Well, you know, I was going to say, I... And, and the guy that lined up across from him, that's the kind of presence that he had. Like, his arms were so long. You know, he was just he was just a really wiry, stretchy guy, but that was, he was such he was such an explosive and strong guy and so fast, you couldn't run away from him, you know, and you couldn't get outside of his arms, his wingspan, because his arms are so long and he's strong, man. But I'm just telling you, like, me being on the other side of the ball from him, he felt like a giant. He felt like uh, like a man amongst boys out there. And, you know, I always take my hat off to him because he was just such an explosive player and such a dynamic player and such a versatile player player to be the size that he was playing the outside backer spot. I was just going to say, like, this is, this is an interesting time to bring this up because there's a play of yours that I remember. But I, I can't remember who it was, but it was, it, was a, it was a pick six. And I feel like it was the first time that I felt like the the like real gravity of it, NFL athleticism really hit me. This is a big ass outside linebacker picking a pass off, 
and running faster than everybody else to the end zone. And I'm like, this dude is different. Like, what is happening right now? And and, 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 it, and it, 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 again, it's just like one of those where I was just like, that, that stuck with me. Like, honestly, that is, that is like one of the moments where I realized, like, you know, because because I, I, I was playing football by that point. And I think I just realized, like, damn, like this dude is and it's like i'm you know even now like i am solidly fast like i if i could probably right now i'm not i'm not bsing you right now i could probably get in some shorts and i could probably break five in a 40 i probably could but i realized like at that point that okay well that guy is like six six and like 260 <laughs> pounds and he would run and he he would run me down any day of the week. Like that, that was like nightmare fuel. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, you might be a decent little athlete for your little high school, or you might be decently fast for track and field, but this brother's gonna get out here and smoke you. And that that really just like it's 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 kind of scary, but it's also like fun and like hilarious. So I just I'm glad I got to tell you that when 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 Wilcox told me you were coming on, I was like, the highlight like played in my head. You know, if you run it back to the pick six. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you know, that's one of the things that I, the league is so full of athleticism. I mean, you have guys on and do all kinds of things now. And I feel the way that you kind of differentiate yourself is mentally. Do you have a mental yeah. fortitude to learn all the different positions? Do you have the capacity to operate on the edge you know because on the defense you got to be on the edge you got to have that edge to you that um because i you want to take somebody's wheel for me i want to take your wheel oh that I feels wanna, like that's straight out of that feels tail. like that's straight out of ray lewis right there i want to i want to take your wheel i want i want to i want you to just go back to the huddle or go to the sideline like coach I, i'm sorry to, today ain't today i i've tried everything and I want to listen to you tell that story. I want you to tell your kids how, I, I don't know. I don't know how he knew what we were doing. I don't know how he did. I mean, that is that is the joy in competition is to, to play chess and not checkers. Is that I'm going to give you all these different looks. I'm going to finesse you. I'm going to hit you in the mouth. And then I'm going to, you know, swim. I'm going to do all these different things so that you don't know what I'm doing next. And so I have you thinking as, again, as a defensive player, if I got you thinking, then you're not reacting. You know, you're not you're thinking about how you're gonna block me. And so all those things is 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 one of the things that just you love to do as a defensive player is to go out there and kind of dictate. It's like you got to play call in the huddle, which is great. Until that ball is snapped, like Mike Tyson said, till you get hit in the mouth, everybody has a game plan. And so then you get started getting hit, then you start running that route a little short. <laughs> You start throwing that ball a little sooner as a quarterback. If you've been getting hit, that clock start going off in your head. And so that is the that is the thing that um, I would say the 2000 defense ruined me because that was my that was my bar for a good defense. Is you there's nowhere in the book that says they have to score, right. ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I, I mean, there is Absolutely. like if you score. Scoring, if you score and you do something right or it's a jump ball and I'm there and you, okay, I can accept that. But scoring, most scores go off of someone's missed assignment, 
or somebody misalignment or a missed tackle. That's it. As a great defense, like that has to be the standard consistently every single play. And that's, I don't accept anything else. I'm not, so that's why it's hard for me to coach. Right. It's hard for me to go there because people are like, oh, well, I did it right 80% of the time. I'm like, do you want the pilot to fly this plane 80% of the time right? Or do you want to fly it 100% of the time right? Because I want to land every 100% of the time. Okay, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I want to land this plane. So, you good with 85%? Like, what? I'm not. It, 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 yes, his job is that crucial. I want you to take your job that serious. Right. I want you to be 95, 96. That's what your goal should be. And are you going to be perfect? No, you're not going to be perfect. But still, that standard of expectation that I expect to not have a mental error, you're going to miss a tackle. You got guys out there, as we call it, the L2 button and PS3 or with PS5 now. You know, they got they got the L2 button. They got yeah. the jump. They got the shake. But a great defense, they don't have one-on-one tackles that often. Why? Because people are running to the ball. So when they see this one person coming, they see three more coming behind them. It's like, I'd rather get hit by this one versus them three coming behind it. And that is how you intimidate people. When you see people running to the ball, you see a ball carrier and he got that one-on-one, I don't care how good the tackle is now these days. You got Odell Beckham and all these Zay Flowers of the Ravens. Like these guys, it's going to be hard to tackle those guys one-on-one. I take that chance with those guys elusive and as fast and, and quick as they are, I take my chances. But if you make one guy miss and about four of them hit you, yeah. the next time you're going to just ease on out of bounds and hand the ball to the referee <laughs> go back to the huddle. That's what great defenses do. Uh, tell me this, man. I ain't never get a chance to really talk to you much about your experience as a six-round pick coming out of Southern Miss. Um going into Baltimore being a Raven for your rookie year. Um, how, what was that feeling like for you? I mean, me being an undrafted free agent, I know it was different from being a six round pick coming out of school, going into going to the Ravens. So what was that experience like for you? What did you expect going in and how did that rookie training camp turn out for you since all these young men are in training camp right now? Well, you know, the biggest thing to do, I didn't have an expectation. I was a country boy from Alabama, Coosa County, Alabama. I was unwise to the ways of this world and didn't know much. I went to Southern Miss. I graduated from Southern Miss. And so when I went in, I didn't know much about Baltimore. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't have any kind of expectation. I just knew that I was a six-round pick. I supposed to have been second or third-round pick. How did I slip that far? I don't know and didn't care. It was like, this is your opportunity. And I'm like, okay, I graduated from school. I don't owe anybody anything. At the end of the day, I'm going to go get this my best. And I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. But I know what my thing is. I know I can run. I know I can jump. And I know I'm athletic. So display that as much as you can. You know what I'm saying? So how do you display that? Cool. So that was your game plan going into training camp. Display that as much as you possibly can. Run, jump. Because... Many camp yeah, is, is 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 just is just jersey, right? Right. So you you're not really real physical. You got seven on seven. You got all these things. So you get a chance to do what? You get to see. You can jump. You can run. You can run with receivers. You can get on tight ends. You can yeah. do all these, things, and you can chase the ball. So you're chasing the ball on film, 
they are watching you run past people. They're watching you like, oh, this, this guy can run, whatever. So right. preseason gets here. Preseason gets here. I leave, I didn't even notice. I didn't notice till we had hard knocks. Remember, we had hard knocks that I year. Remember. I remember. Hard knocks. I'm a rookie. Dude, it's so funny because they call me in for the whole thing of if I'm going to get cut or not. And I'm talking to Rex, and I'm like, uh, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, he's like, well, you know. He said, well, you you know you made the team. I'm like, how do I supposed to know that? Right. He was like, you led the league in sacks in preseason. <laughs> you didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't know. You were too locked in. You talking about five, Coach Dome? You were too locked in. Sacks. I had five sacks in preseason. Wow. I wow. never knew I led the league in preseason in sacks. That's crazy. I never knew it. I I sacked Donovan McNabb twice on Trey Thomas. Hey. Wow. Hit him with the stutter speed. Yeah. Yes, get it. <laughs> and dude, God, dude, dang, I, I'm telling you, it was so. Preseason out of four games. Listen, I I never I never realized it until then. And once I made the team, I was like, okay, cool. I got to make the team again next year. And that's when I got into special teams. Did you realize yeah. that though? Did you realize at that young moment you got to make the team again next year? Because I didn't realize that at first. Well, it took me a while for that to register for me. Well, I realized it because as a six-round pick, I got kept, and they cut a fifth and a fourth round or something like that. That's so they they like, let you know right off the bat. Like, that's this is, that's, that's what I like, got real for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I'm like, I'm when like, they cut the draft picks, you'd be like, what? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> Listen, I like uh, you got to earn your keep around here. And so Marvin Lewis was the defensive coordinator. Right. Rex Ryan was my D line coach. Mm. Mike Smith was the GA, was the D line assistant. Okay. Man. Jack Del Rio was the linebacker coach. You had them all. All of that. Mike all Pettin, of that. Mike Petton, who no, coached at here. Cleveland, was mm-hmm. the defense assistant, like the GA. Get right. out of here. Oh, my God. That, you, so like, you had all of those things, like, all those guys love. You had you had Dunny. You had um, Dennis Thurman, who's at Colorado D- now. D- he's D- at Colorado, Colorado with Dion. Right. Now, dude, you had all these coaches. And so you, you, you didn't have – you had old school coaches. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, hey, Rook, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And Benny Thompson, you know Benny. BT. He taught me all special teams. Right. I got with Benny. He taught me all the little cheat codes of special teams. And that's how I ended up making the Pro Bowl. I'm like, we got a defense that have all superstars, basically. Because we're the number one defense. And so how are you going to get on the field as a rookie? You can't. The only way you can get on the field is special teams. Because they don't right. want to play special teams. So play punt. Okay, you on one special team. Well, I'm on kickoff too. So you're on two special teams. I'm on punt return. So now it's like you in all three phases of the game. At some point you're gonna when somebody go down or whatever it is, if it comes a bubble, they can now put you in the game and say, okay, then he's a special teams guy and he can play D tackle, D end, linebacker. And so it's like, okay, then the more you can do, the longer you stay around. That's what Marvin right. used to say. Right. The more you can do, be an ant. Yeah. That's what he say. Be an ant. Bring your lunch pail and your hard hat. Just keep working. Outwork them. Outwork them. 
And that's what it was. That that's where it came from. Marvin Lewis and those guys just kind of Donnie Henderson. Hey, keep working, Holmes. Don't worry about it. Keep working. Keep working. And never knew, never knew anybody knew my name, dude, until I missed weights my rookie year. Billick, Billick puts in his fine system that anybody that misses weights gets the fine gets double from whoever got fined the last time. And each time it keeps going. Right, so I'm a rookie. I think I made 198 my first year. I'm making 198 thousand dollars for the year, you know, which is, I guess, football turns nothing. Right, you no. know, real world turns it may be a lot of money, whatever. Real world, right. real world turns. I'll take it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, not not in the NFL, you know. So that's the, that was the league minimum. League minimum 198. This is yeah. in 2000. I missed, we're in the playoffs. We had made, we had won the wild card game. So we're coming up on the divisional game. I I overslept and missed weights. I get fined $8,600. My check ended up being like $2,000 or whatever it was after, because it's the playoffs. So the playoffs, you only, everybody makes the same amount of money. People don't so, people don't understand that either. Like that's a whole nother conversation. Go ahead. I ain't know so, that. So everybody makes the same amount of money. So I get my check and I'm looking at my check like this. This is no lie. Tony Saragusa, God rest his soul. He comes in the locker room, he looks at me, and he's like, What's wrong? I'm like, they find me. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's talking about. Like you saw said, the light. how much they find you? He said, how much they find you? I'm like, $9,600. He was like, no way. He was like, give me this. He's like, I'll be back. And so he leaves. And he goes, I don't know where he's going. Like, Typical I've goose. never been fine before. I'm a rookie. Typical goose. He, he comes back in like 20 minutes. He's like, go see Barry. Go see Brian. Like, now? Yes, go see yes, Brian. The head, the head coach. The head, head coach, coach, Gary. Brian. No, Lisa, I know. Go see Brian. Go see Brian. <laughs> so he's talking about going to see Billy. <laughs> I go up to see Brian. Listen, I walk in. He said, I see you sent your big dogs up here. I'm like, I ain't sent nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> you You're not about to do this tomorrow. Listen, it is such a – which I, it's going to come full circle in a second. But right. he says to me, listen – You've been doing well. Keep working hard, you know, and you haven't missed weights all year. And legally, I can't really do this because it's against the rules. So I'm going to give you your money back. But if you miss weights another time, not only am I going to find you, I'm going to double this fine. I I haven't missed I have not missed weights since. But going back to why, going back to the to whole day, thing. Right now, to this day? To this day. Hey. Hey, but I see you on. Like, he's he's, he's on, like, "What you talking it. about? I'm a, I'm a go you play right it. now." Somebody Listen. asked me to go hit waste right now. I'm not missing. Yeah, hey, but I just, on, 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 I just, on, I just saw on the other day. He looked like Under Armour manager. <laughs> oh my god! Go ahead, I'll finish the story. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's all good. Listen. So, long story short, it goes back to the whole thing of being a good rookie and accepting your role, right? Because then when it was time for him to step to the plate and take up for me, I didn't even have to ask. Right. And that showed the respect that he had for, you know, how I worked and everything else, because 
I felt that if I was lazy, if I was combative and didn't accept my role, right. he wouldn't have went to bat for me. Yeah. And so that, that's a good thing for the rookies to know that, hey, look, you're not, the system has been in place. You're going to carry pass. And I don't know what they do mm. now, you know, but now, you know, everybody thought it was a disrespectful thing. It's like, no, the system been in place. You got to pay your dues because next year you're going to have a rookie carrying your pass, hopefully. And then they're going to pass along to that. Because again, nothing degrading, nothing that's disrespectful towards it's a, you. It's, a respect, or, it's, a respect. it's just, it's it's just paying respect. your dues. It pays your dues for when your grandma is sitting on the couch or your parents sitting on the couch and they call you downstairs and tell you to get them a glass of water. They pay, they pay the note. They pay, they pay for your clothes, your shoes. They paved the way for you. So yeah. you come down, you give them their stuff and you know, you keep it moving. So um, yeah, that's a true story though. God rest his soul. And Goose got me my money back. Jeez. Appreciate you, Goose. My God, man. Like, Love we, you, Goose. Uh, and, and again, this is another one of those like little Ravens connections, man. We loved Goose at my house. Cause like he, that was back when he so he he had, he had finished playing. This is when I was really like this is when I was really starting to get in the NFL. So he was he was on Fox. He was a Fox analyst, yep. and I swear to God, like every time he'd come on, he would get fired up, man. He would be like he he be he be just like doing the analyst stuff, like like down on the field, and he'd be over here like pantomiming what he needed the defensive lineman on a given team to be doing, and he'd be getting mad because they'd be getting pushed off the ball. And like up in the booth, they'd be like, "Oof, Goose getting a little hot down there." It's like he looked like he wanted he want to play because he's just like he could like I'm tired of seeing people not play it right. But yo, I want I want to talk a little bit about this current Ravens team right now because they're doing joint practices down with the Commanders and Wilcox already know this. You mentioned his name. Zay Flowers has been my guy, Boston College kid. Apparently, nobody can guard this dude. Uh, he's just over here making people fall down and just blowing past people for touchdowns, all that good stuff. You got Odell making one-handed catches out there. You got you got people getting physical, you know, down, down there fighting, getting chippy. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like when I'm watching this team, man, I I, I just I, I see a team that is it looks like it's got the makings of a complete one and one that could be really, really dangerous offensively and so like you you mentioned like you know the the ravens offense what it's got right now in terms of weapons you know guys like odell guys like like zay we were talking the other day about you know so jk dobbins is back you know he's back at practice right after mm -hmm. keaton mitchell went ahead and danced on everybody in preseason game one over there looking making people look crazy i i want to know like from from your standpoint i want to know two things number one how how does it you know this this Ravens offense, right? Like how how excited are you for that? Because it looks like a really dynamic group. And number two, you've played against a lot of different quarterbacks. It feels like there's some really interesting stuff um, where defensive players look at mobile quarterbacks these days and they're like, dang, like they might not have all the passing down, but they are tough to deal with. From your perspective. In addition to answering the question about the the Ravens offense and, and how they look right now, is it tougher in your mind to play a more cerebral quarterback that's going to kind of sit back there and kind of piece you up from the pocket, or a guy that yeah maybe the passing isn't quite there, but they can extend plays and run around and just like create stuff out of nothing. Um, first, the Ravens are. Uh 
on paper look great. I don't expect them to come out and all of a sudden have this blow you out of the water mm. type of offense. You have new receivers, a new system, new coordinator, um, guys being drafted rookie. So I think there's going to be an adjustment period of them getting into um, the rhythm that they need. And I'm okay with that. Um, I want them to get in rhythm in week 11, 12, 13. That's when they need to be kind of getting in sync of really understanding and knowing each other. Cause it's hard to kind of get into it in preseason. Yeah, It really is because you know, you, you're going full speed or whatever it is, but at the same time, you're not seeing the competition that you kind of see. So you don't know what, how things are, how people adjust you, how are people guarding you? Are they in man? Are they in zone? You know, what exactly are you going to show? So I take preseason with a, a grain of salt. Yeah. What I want to see, though, I want to see a cohesive, um, well-coached, fundamental display of effort. I don't want to see a lot of jumping off sides. I, I hate bad football. I, I hate bad football. What <clears throat> I, I would have never guessed. Is, <laughs> you know, holding... <laughs> out of position, uh, blown assignments, uh, all the lack of ball security in the pocket by Lamar. I think that's what he has to get better at. When he's in the pocket, he needs to have two hands on the ball. But again, those are things that I think that are correctable. And it it may not be a thing that show up on the stat sheet, but there is nothing you can do without the possession of the ball. You can't get any points with it without it. You got to tackle somebody in the end zone and you get two points. And two points usually not going to win the game. Right. As an offensive player, you have to take care of the ball. You guard that ball. You shouldn't be fumbling and miss drop passes. Like that's what I don't want to see. Right. You know, if they if they gotta if they're gonna have some hiccups coming out in the preseason, of course they are. Because again, it's a new system. Everybody's learning a new system. But at the same time, I do feel that. Um, there's a learning curve that kind of goes with it, but I want to see, I would like to see, I want to see them win ugly early. I want to see Odell Beckham have a great game. I want to see Zay Flowers have a great game. I want to see Mark Andrews have a great game and attack the weakness of the defense, not necessarily be on this hard stance of this is who I am. This is what I got to do because I'm going to take, if you got a weak player that can't cover, you better get him off the field because I'm going to exploit the matchup that you give me. If he's in zone, I'm going to make you get in man or whatever it is. I'm going to exploit your weakness on your defense. That's what I would like to see the Ravens do because they have enough weapons that you can't double team everybody. Odell Beckham Jr. is a problem. Zay Flowers is a problem. Duvernay could be a problem, but Duvernay and Bateman haven't shown me that they can really beat man coverage without help. Consistently over a period of time that they were there without those guys. J.K. Dobbins earned it. He wanted to be the man last year and say, give me the ball. I think he's earned that. Give it to him. But I tell you, the Mitchell kid, he's fast. Mm-hmm. He is fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you know whose son that is? Anthony Mitchell. Anthony Mitchell. That's Anthony Mitchell's son. <laughs> Anthony Mitchell lives here in Atlanta. I went yep. to the game Saturday. Right. I was at the game Saturday oh, when they played Philadelphia. So I understand – 
Anthony Mitchell's son, hell, he won all the track meets in high school. Blew him away. He won all the track meets in high school. So you can't coach speed. That's what you can't coach. And that's one of the things that is a home run hit with a single carry. And nobody's going to catch it once he breaks free. Right. J.K. Dobbins, with his knee, I think last year he broke free a couple of times. And I'm not sure. Hopefully this year he's more comfortable with running with the, you know, the second year from a, a knee injury. And so it'll be a great opportunity to see those guys come out and have all these different ways of attacking people. Because again, they have the weapons. You have, again, you got Bateman, you got that has speed, DuVernay, you got all these guys that got this speed. And then you got Mark Andrews that you can't double anymore. Because you got somebody that can take the top off the defense. Mm -hmm. The question is, can Lamar hit the wide open receiver in stride and him not have to slow down and get it consistently? That's one of the challenges that he has, you know, because again, these are new receivers. The speed of the game during the game is different than what it is in practice. And so what you may be doing in practice, and then if it's not full speed, now in the game you are full speed, and now under throw it, and I got to slow down and catch it, then they tackle me. Is that Does that cost me four points because I got to kick a field goal and we stall? Or if I throw that ball right and I hit you in stride, it's mm-hmm. a touchdown. Those are the things I look for. Yeah. That's what I look for from, from my perspective of, okay, then, and it, it may be that way early, but later on, it should be a point where he's dropping that ball in there because the speed, he's gotten used to the speed of Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham. He should know Bateman and DuVernay. He should know those yeah. guys by now. Uh, in your experience, man, I mean, in my experience, for the Ravens' defense have always been legit, the best top two, top three defenses in the league. In your experience of all these years of seeing Baltimore Raven football, is this by far on paper the best looking offense you've ever seen the Ravens have? Absolutely. Hands down. Hands down. They, they, they've never thing. they've never had the weapons that they've had now. And you know, defense now is different than it was then. But I would say that um it'll be interesting to see. I think they have some injuries. They've traded for some DBs. They've always had challenges with injuries in the DB in the secondary. And so Marcus Peters is gone, who I thought I, – I didn't think was a good fit for the man-to-man coverage that we play. I think right. he's more of a zone co- corner. Again, you know, there's no shade on him. Um, but he did a lot of guessing. Um, he's long. He, he's older. He can't really change directions as well as he used to, um, which made it great for zone. But he did what he needed to do as it pertains to when he was there. Um, and, again, that's no shade on him, but I, I thought that, you know, that was the thing. Like when he could sit back and play zone, I thought he was a lot more effective than it was if it was man to man. And I think that, well, I feel his effort wasn't there when the ball was in the air a lot of times. Um, yeah. Just just from my observation of what right. it looked like from 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 my piece. And so, um, again, he's in Oakland now, so we'll see what um, Daniels do do with him. Um, and I know he's led a lot of leagues or whatever it is, but. I want to see us get up and challenge some guys. Owa, uh, Ajabo, and the other guys. It's time for them to grow up and, you know, go ahead on and get this pressure on the quarterback. Um, and so all those guys, the little, you know, they came from Michigan. And um, what is 54? I'm losing his name. I just spoke one last two nights Bowser. ago. Bowser. Bowser. Yeah, right, Bowser. Bowser. 
Tyus Bowser, which he's a specimen, but again, everybody coming off injuries, everybody coming off injuries. Right. And so again, it's one of those things where we look like Tarzan and we play like Jane, right? You, you, you're looking good, but then we can't get over the injury bug and then get out there on the field. Yeah. And so that was one of the things that you, you have to really deal with is that, okay, then I know he's explosive. He's strong. He can run, he can rush the passer, he can cover. And it's one of the things like, we need him to put it together now. We yeah. need Bowser to put that whole thing together to go out there and give you a Pro Bowl year because you have that type talent. You have that type skill set that you can go and get double-digit sacks in, you know, a year. That's what you need from him so that, again, you let take some pressure off your secondary. That's young. You got Absolutely. Hamilton that's about there, um, you know, that's in the back. And so it'll be interesting, again, um, I look at the game totally different than fans do. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> totally different. No, and and I and I and that's why you're here. That's why we were having this conversation, okay? Because I think the way that I I've looked at, at the game has definitely evolved over the years. You know, as you know, whether it's covering the team or, or like kind of just just talking to players, I, people live and die with like the results of plays and i think like the interesting thing is like i mean the results matter but so much of it is about the process how do you get to where you're supposed to be are you in the right place to begin with and being in the right place and just doing the right things fundamentally more often than not are going to determine what the result is because you're if you're consistently not doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're not in the right place you're probably not going to be successful. And I feel like that that's that's definitely part of what both of you talked about. Last question from me. So so a little, little thought exercise here. If the Ravens you know, make the playoffs and they're going to make a playoff run here, which non-Lamar Jackson player is going to have to step up the most? Who's going to be the most important non-Lamar Jackson Raven to a playoff run this year? Uh, I would say the offensive line as a whole. Um, I think both guards and, and center are going to have to solidify the the pocket so that he has time uh, because that, that does so many different things. Uh, one, it, it anchors your run. It, it supports the run. Now your play-action pass opens up. It also... Uh, cuts down on injury of your quarterback against people falling on his legs or getting blindsided and all those things from getting inside the pocket. The integrity of the the pocket is very crucial when you're talking about the inside. From the guard to guard, that is the end, that allows him to step up. So when you got speed rushers on the end and you solidify the pocket, you can step up in the pocket so those people running around the edge does not affect you. When you have guys that are pushing the pocket from the inside, it makes the people on the edge more efficient because now I can't step up. So now I got to just kind of curl up or evacuate out the back or escape out of the back. So the offensive line, as well as the defensive line, has to, will be the key to the Ravens and how far they go. You're going to have to stop the run because you're going to have different quarterbacks that you have to get after you got to get joe burrow off the spot you're going to get mahomes you got to get out get him out of his uncomfortable zone, uncomfortable zone make him uncomfortable in the pocket so all of those 
or I don't judge you off of teams that are non-playoff teams. I, I want to judge you off of high-caliber teams that have very uh, good offenses, explosive offense from a defensive standpoint. Same thing for our offense. When we're going against a playoff-caliber team, are you able to execute? Lamar has to execute in the playoffs. You say a non-Lamar player, Lamar has to execute in the playoffs, but I think that is also conducive upon the offensive line because then we run the ball. The team that runs the ball in the playoffs is going to be the team that has the most um, potential of going on. Hmm. It's very important. And people are like, well, it's a quarterback. It's a quarterback. All of that is great until you run up against a defense that's one-sided. If you just got a quarterback that's going to sit back there, you got pass rusher that's going to do all these different things. When you start running the ball efficiently, play action pass, then your tight end gets into the game, that is that is a complete game. And Baltimore has that potential because, again, um, they got to solidify that guard spot with Ben Cleveland or whoever else because I think power's level. Those people have to be solidified, and we'll see what they do if they shuffle them around or or trade for someone or whatever. Right now, they got the new kid that just got drafted, um, Lou Tyler Linder. Well, yeah. oh, oh yeah, so Linderbaum's yeah. center. Yeah, yeah, he, La, Laulu just got drafted sixth round, and he's right now starting left guard. So, so that, that tells you, but that, but that simple thing, um, well, because tells you that there's an issue yeah. at guard. Yeah, yeah, I have Ben Powers that's been there, right? And I got a six-round draft pick come in and in front of Ben, Ben, Ben Cleveland, in front of Cleveland. Yeah, ben Cleveland. I, I wouldn't have drafted you in the sixth round if I thought you were better than Cleveland, right? So either Cleveland is hurt and not really doing what he's supposed to do, or they got a steal in the sixth round. Yeah, and you know, you know how versatile you got to be to play guard in this league. You got to be super versatile. You got to be able to play both of those guard spots well, and the center spot. Well, you better be strong and you better be quick because yeah. you got Aaron Donald, you got Chris Jones, you got, you got, the, you got the kid from uh, Philly that came from Georgia, Carter. Goodness this, gracious. You, you, you got some people you got to deal with now. Yeah, did you see what he did? Uh, did he worked on Ben. He worked on Ben Cleveland. I, 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 I was at the game. I didn't even pay attention to it because I don't think I'm even looking at it. Go back and game. watch it all. He, the, the first bench press sack that he got on the, um, on the kid that started at quarterback, Johnson kid, 17, uh-huh. the very first sack, that was the kid from Georgia Carter. Yeah, I, I got to go back and watch it because they said he did him kind of bad. So, um, yeah. but again, I won't judge anybody off of one play. Me neither. I will yeah. say that um, one of many, you know, is one play you played and it's not your best that's out there. So you got something to work on. And so, again, I'm okay with them winning early, early. I think that yeah. they have to just, again, gradually improve, you know, put a good product out on the field. Don't be jumping off sides and all that peewee stuff. I, I can't take that. <laughs> Man, I, I, feel, I feel like even just saying it is just like pissing you off. Like you can't even handle that. But hey, <laughs> hey, it's, it's like, okay, listen up. It is, we're, it's late here. All of us got to get to sleep. But listen, Adelius, man. Thank you so much for coming on with us. This was a blast. Loved having you on as as our first special guest on Believe in Ravens. And look, man, we're we're gonna have to keep in touch and uh, and and you know hear from you later on in the season, see how this goes. Because I I happen to agree, man. You know I think that we often see with 
you know, kind of new offensive systems, it doesn't catch on right away. And you, you, you can't panic about it. But as long as they're winning and getting it done, then I think that, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to be happy and then see it round in the form later on. But, man, so much so much knowledge and, and so much passion for the game, man. Just thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, love you, man. Appreciate you I coming appreciate on, it, bro. brother. All right, anytime. Get some rest. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.